0: Welcome to the XY Advisor Podcast. To join a global community of financial advisors sharing and learning with one another to drive the positive evolution of financial advice, head to xyadvisor.com. G'day, how's it going? What do you know? Strike Clayton here from XY, chatting with Andrew, CEO, Hub24. Mate, thanks for coming on. Very welcome, mate. Good to be here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, 2007 Hub kicked off, right? Pre-your yeah. pre, pre your tenure. I, I, I did a little bit of uh, LinkedIn snooping. You were Genesis pre-Hub. And then before that, you were... I worked for AAS or Link Market Services. Yes, right. And so uh, what I like to try and do is go so far back that uh, I get to see what their first job out of graduation How was. How long have you gone? <laughs> but you didn't have yours. So your career start um, starts with like pretty decent titles the whole way. So what, what was your first thing that you were doing
1: straight out of uh, university? Oh, wow. So I actually went to university when I was in financial services. Get out. So before that. I did a uh, cadetship back in the days when computer programming and IT was new and we only had mainframes and no one had a PC. Whoa. I went to – and they were green screens. Like, there was none of this Windows stuff then – um, showing my age, I actually worked for TNT, which was a large transport company that owned half of Ansett. That's also gone. Whoa. Ansett Airlines. But I worked as a cadet uh, computer programmer. So that's what I did out of school. Yeah, right. Um, before that, I had a dabble in real estate and a few things like that. Working for a family real estate office. You want the whole dirt, don't you? <laughs> and, and I sold neon signs and advertising before that. So, awesome. So I did did quite a bit. But but the IT thing came about. I, I became a, a computer programmer. And uh, that got me into, uh, I suppose, a consulting firm effectively providing IT services. And when I was there, I started working for financial services clients and started my business degree doing it part-time. So I went to uni part-time over seven years, had two kids and uh, and did that to supplement what I thought was a good IT start to get an accounting or a business start, and hence here I am today in financial services.
0: do you are you ever on the front lines of the codes these days?
1: No, mate, I've lost my chops. That's uh, that's ages ago. In fact, in those days, it was mainframe programming. The, the guys these days don't use they're that. They were using punch they're, cards at that stage, weren't they? They don't do that stuff now. I talk to my team, and I, I can't follow what they're doing. But uh, I get all the, all the concepts and that kind of stuff. But uh, no, I'm not on the code. What, that would be dangerous. Because be, a decent sized team that
0: you have there these days, it's it's kind of interesting. From like the financial services point of view, we you know from the advisor point of view, you go. Uh, I am the professional who wants the best thing uh, for my client's life, both financial, experiential, emotional, the whole thing. It's my job to make sure that they're happy, well looked after. Um, on the other side of all of that is huge amounts of technology. That's that, and and we've been the longer that this podcast goes on. The, the more and more we dip into technology, which is kind of why I wanted to catch up with you today. So there's some there's a lot that's happened in terms of um, uh, platforms, right? So if you go back pre-platform, there was each sort of maybe a license or maybe just a cohort of advisors would all get together and there'd be an investment professional and there'd be sort of people to do the trading and the ripping out of pages. And it was, it was kind of archaic, but then... Um, Advisors saw that there was a, a decent amount of their value was added into that piece, and then, and then, of course, technology comes in and disrupts that, and then you've got this huge amount of um, progression that's occurred since the very first wrap, um, and to the point now that we're here today. And there's some crazy, crazy things that can that 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 um,
1: platforms can do. It's amazing.
0: Yeah. It's, so originally, it was set up to make the the, the transactions uh, easy. But now, um, and, you know, Anne had sort of walked me through some of the things. Uh, so, one of them is what I know they call in America. They call tax loss harvesting. But they, I hadn't seen too much go on about that here in Australia. Um, what's your quick sort of five seconds? What, you know, how does a platform these days save taxable, you know, in this case,
1: probably capital gains, Uh to clients. Uh, look, we, we do that, Clay, in the platform, uh, whether you're in a managed account or outside a managed account. But the ability for the platform real-time to say to an advisor, if you transact or sell these units in this fund or sell these shares, here's the tax liability, versus if you sell these other ones over here, here's yeah. the tax liability. So, in certain cases, you might want to minimize the amount of tax you're paying. And so, in which case, that that gives you an informed decision. The technology can tell you that on the fly rather than yes. you going back to your spreadsheets, your books and all that kind of thing and working it out. Yes. Um, the platform can make a real difference. Or you talk about harvesting uh, tax losses. If you actually want to uh, harvest tax losses to offset against future gains, which you might have had during COVID and rebalancing Correct. the market, the market had dipped. How do we maximize that? Well, well the, the, the technology allows you to pick. Do you want minimum gain, maximum gain? And so we actually automatically will pick parcels of investments to get you the best tax outcome for you, or we'll give you the decision support tool so you can, as an advisor, look at what's going on and say, what if I did this versus that? What if I did mm. a- another one over here? We let you model that on the fly. Yeah, That was impossible before because, as you said, a platform was about instead of having a retail PDS and filling in a form for yeah. every managed fund, let's do it in a supermarket. Not, yes. Not it's shot, you know, each by each.
0: Yeah. And, and I do, I mean, that kind of functionality uh, would be from an advisor and I used to be a tax accountant, right? So I love all the tax planning that goes on, but it is difficult to do on an individual case by case basis. Um, So if there are benefits like that, that are now in the market, um, I can imagine that, like formally because i'm no longer advising but if i was able to communicate it i think a lot of this stuff is really difficult to communicate because it's difficult for and again as a former tax advisor it is difficult to sometimes express the methodology for how the savings are occurred however if you can kind of just go to them and say hey look you know we sold this uh went there but because of because of this transaction and that transaction, here's what you actually saved in a dollar figure. It's almost like it's a it's a surprise and delight thing more so than, hey, come get
1: advice off me because I can l- t- harvest your tax losses. Well, hey, hey, at certain times in the past, you might be doing that at the end of the financial year, which means you, you've you got positions to work out and you can harvest tax losses as a tax accountant or advisor. Yes. I'm sorry you did that. We'll, <laughs> we'll all not hold that against you in the future. But- um, <laughs> Uh, you know, you could do that at the end of the year and, and you might have realized, oh, gee, had I sold this back in March, I would have had a different outcome. Yeah. So this is about knowing at the time of the transaction uh, and understanding that when you make the decision now, look, it's complex. It's hard for some consumers to understand. But when you think about it, uh, if I can save you $2,000 or $5,000, and there was an advisor recently with some, you know, pretty – you know uh key clients where they rebalanced on our platform during covid and they rebalanced on a competitor's platform same portfolios but our tax capability saved them $18,000 in that rebalance now okay large client balance $18,000 yeah. a lot but let's say they've got another 10 to 20 years to retirement that's $18,000 working for them for another 10 to 20 years, if you break it down to that and say, I've got this tax outcome for you and you've got another 10 grand in your in your portfolio, another 18 grand in your portfolio, that's going to grow over the next 20 years. Compound that with a 7% return and you're saving the client hundreds of thousands of dollars or giving them a far better yeah. retirement outcome. If you explain it in their words, your nest egg is going to be bigger. I've yes. saved you this. It's working for you. Yes. But I think our industry is not very good at that. We need to get far better at explaining that because the technology has yes. got ahead yes. of the dialogue. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. What Do you think this kind of thing,
0: um, and I sort of lump it in with you know, all of the advantages that, that are in tech these days, um, but this kind of stuff, do you think it helps with, and I, I can't remember the ex- I think it, you know, in the budget, there we go, in, in the budget came out and Jane Hume, and, and they're all talking about how they're going to be judging, you know, fund managers and superannuation funds and all this um, a lot more stringently. that's great. Right? Do you think that, I guess, as a way to um, assist with that performance, do you think this new kind of technology is the kind of technology that's going to actually re-level the, the playing field a little bit? And so, it's not just uh, performance by itself, but it's actually after-tax performance. For
1: example, I, I think the whole blunt tool of measuring super funds and the way they're doing it through the budget is not really even considering the value of advice and the things that that we do as an industry. Yeah. So you're looking at standard stuff. Are you looking at the default fund or the you know the default options in those funds? Because and that's okay if you're looking at industry funds and how did balance go? Easy to do. Yeah. But if you're talking about where clients are self-directed or getting advice then the performance of a fund is different for every single client based on their circumstances. In fact, heaven forbid, you might actually be happy to have lost money in one fund because you're offsetting against gains somewhere else because the whole portfolio is not on the one fund. Yeah, now That's a bit controversial. So I, I do think that, that where the industry is at and the technology is at, it far outstrips the comparisons they're gonna do. And there's a dialogue that has to occur because I think that's a fairly simplistic way of looking at performance. I agree. From consumer sentiment, there are underperforming funds with defaults that need to be looked at. Yeah. But in the world which you and I and and the people listening to this operate, we think differently. We yes. add value differently. I, I think those comparisons won't make sense in our context.
0: Yeah. Okay. That's fair enough. What What's the um, going back to the tech? What do you see? Platforms, for example. Let's Let's go five, ten years into the future. What's the next step? Where's it going? Where's it all headed? Oh, can we
1: get even smarter? So. So the tools we are talking about before about tax is allowing you to make a decision or, or yes. see the analysis. But could we do things in platforms? Let's say you've got a managed account and the investment manager is uh, looking at, at changing some of the equities in that managed account. But but you, Clay, have held that those CBA shares for nearly 12 months. If the manager is selling down those CBA shares... Uh, and we sell you down today, you're going to miss out on a CGT, CGT concession because you've had it for nearly 12 months. Yes. Could the portfolio or the platform itself personally make decisions on behalf of each consumer to be tax aware to make sure that those things don't happen or you can set some parameters so you get that benefit? Because the investment manager is not thinking about individuals, they're thinking about the portfolio. Yeah, totally. So can we get mass customization or personalization? Right. That's really <clears throat> simple. Now, sounds complex, the technology is there. That's where we're heading. That's just one example.
0: So, so uh, I mean, a really good example would be, um, say, AMP demutualizes. Actually, the growth in. Uh capital gains over the course of that share price now isn't really too much to speak of. But I can't talk about competitors, but you knock yourself out. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm just sort of thinking there's not going to be a huge amount. Oh, but anyway, let's assume for a moment that it was uh, a couple of years ago we were having this conversation. And a uh, and there was a huge capital gain and um, that someone had owned it for 20 years. And I, and I use AMP just because it's demutualized and a lot of people sure, had sure. Shares, shares in their portfolio. So you're saying in this uh, environment... Um, that it would, it could technically consider and say, okay, actually, the purchase price was whenever it demutualized, two thousand, whatever it was. Purchase price is two thousand. Share price now X plus, you know, twenty years growth, whatever. Um, when we go to make the decisions over here, which include AMP, AMP are a part of that decision. We're actually not going to make a movement. For example, in this bundle over here, but we're gonna make some movements
1: over in this bundle over here. Oh, definitely. In terms of picking parcels, you might have multiple parcels of AMP well, stocks because you yeah. bought them over twenty years. Well,
0: especially if you've reinvested the dividends. Yeah.
1: yeah, totally. Yeah. And you may have some stock you bought at a very high price that's higher than the current share price or and so forth. So so we do that already as a platform. Right. We'll look at the parcels and allow you to set parameters so we pick the right ones when you're rebalancing. Even across, like you're rebalancing within a managed portfolio with a professional manager. If that manager makes a change, we'll look outside that portfolio in case you've got the AMP stocks out here on the side to give you another benefit. So we look within and across the client's account to do that already uh, yeah, right. A, in our technology.
0: Yeah. Um, in terms of, um, you know, like with you guys, with net worth, you're seen as the, the disruptors, right? But then you've got these new group of uh, ones that are trying to disrupt as well. Where do you see opportunity and threats from within, you know, the broader platform environment? IWF's a really good example, right? They've just purchased this huge, and now they're the new behemoth, right? And so obviously they're on your target um, or, or the ones that are coming for you guys. Like where do you see the, the problems? Where do you see the
1: solutions? Where do you see the competitive landscape in five to 10 years? Uh, look, uh, I, I think it's about the customer after all we're in this industry to help our clients retire comfortably to get capital gains to grow their nest egg, so to speak and and i think the industry can at times lose sight of that if you're thinking about that and you're thinking about your service proposition whether you're an advisor or a fund manager or a portfolio manager or a platform uh, if you're thinking about that end-to-end that's going to bring change so if you look in hub's case We thought about we had to think about the consumer and we had to think about the advisor because we didn't own distribution like some of the banks and the others did. So we had to have a better product to even have a crack in the market. Yeah. And I think that's the key. You've got to be innovating and coming up with something new that aligns with our aspiration to help you. Hub's aspiration is to connect clients to innovative solutions that create opportunities for wealth. If you think that way and you build that way, that's where it's at. So I could translate that into is the future data? Not custody. Totally. So we think about platforms as they hold money or they hold yes. assets. And that's certainly how we think today. But we also are able to bring in other assets that aren't on the platform, which is bringing data together to give you a single view of wealth. Now, you is know, that for the advisor or for the client? Both. Um, But absolutely, I mean, the advisor does a better job looking after clients, seeing all their assets in one place. Yes. They might currently use X-Plan or something like that to do that. And and it works in some cases and there's challenges depending on the data sources. Our view is let's be an integrator of data. So let's run our mainstream platform, but let's around the side of that, be an integrator of data, plug and play so you can see the whole picture. Whether you've got shares traded outside the platform, whether you've got cash accounts and other assets, I think that data and a whole view for the client is important because technology is allowing it to happen. Whereas years ago, the platform was a box and you can only buy the stuff that was in the box. Yes. Uh, And so we think that. If you're trying to come to market now without something new, you've missed the revolution in how we invest being managed accounts. You've missed the revolution of mobile technology. You've missed the revolution of FOFA, client best interest, and and the unwinding of virtual integration. You better have something really, really sharp. Totally. Otherwise, you're not going to get the scale you need. We've been in this game for for a long time, and it it takes a lot of now, a lot of investment, a lot of patience to get to where we're at. So. You know, it's been 13 years to build what we've got. You can't just do that overnight. But it's the attitude of innovation and looking after the client. And I think that translates into data. I think it translates into choice and accessibility of global markets. But making it simple, that's where our future is.
0: Interesting. So if I was to dive into that a little bit more, you've got uh, traditionally as an advisor, you'd have your data over here. In your investment's over here. And so, you're trying to, in one way or another, combine those two. So, would, would it be a stretch to say that, uh, for example, Hub is looking to then become a CRM as well? Like, is, does, does, does it get to the point where, you know, generating statements of advice, like at what stage is you know, uh, where, where's Nirvana for you guys? Like, where's well, it headed?
1: Well, never say never, but sure. but in our current plans, and that's not where we see ourselves as an asset administrator and an integrator right. and bringing the best things together. So so why shouldn't you be able to have your Macquarie Cash account visible on your Hub24 platform with live data, mm. as opposed to having to log in separately or see last night's feed? We're doing that now through our HubConnect technology or your AMM stuff, Australian Money Market. So we, we think about that integration. Uh, in terms of CRM, look, we, we're pushing back into some of those tools, but we absolutely believe that that we've got to be the best at what we do yes. and we want to integrate with the best. So for us, it's plug and play or open architecture. So we want to integrate with X-Plan, with Salesforce, with market-leading CRMs. We believe that the ability to move from one to the other is key. So yeah. let's be friends with everyone and integrate to those tools because they're far better at it than us. Why sure. would I want to compete with Salesforce as a CRM? Oh, look, but I 100%. sure as hell want to integrate with them. Yeah, and I want to be the yeah, best yeah. at integrating with them.
0: So so I guess what you're saying then is the tech, where tech is headed over the next five to 10 years is uh, more streamlined uh, data sharing across the whole suite of products then. So if if you are using Salesforce, CRM, for example, that, or, and you're using a Macquarie cash bank, that as an advisor, you, you, you're able to sort of access a lot of this stuff from one location rather than
1: 20 different logins. You're not double-keying. It's all yeah. single signer. It all works. Yeah. I mean, imagine a world where... Uh, We as a platform provider or some of the tools we're producing for licensees could actually look at your SOAs because we don't see SOAs today as a platform, but but if we could get access to them and we could interrogate them using artificial intelligence and say to you, Mm. ah, these were your recommendations and what you've got on the platform is a bit out of kilter, we could help you with a compliance issue. You know, this whole let's check and audit after the event prevention versus cure is what I'm saying. Good for advisors, good for licensees. That's the sort of stuff we're talking about. Let's integrate so we can see what happened over here in the advice doc and see what's been implemented and call out any red flags so you can deal with it before they become an issue. That's, yeah, that's going to, Deloitte would hate that. Because they'd lose fees and doing audits. But 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 the whole world's changed. I mean, ASIC is saying, uh, licensees need to know what's going on when it's going on. And the question about, let's do a, a file order on an advisor at the end of the year Yeah. And if we find something in those three files, we'll, it's we'll, proven not we'll, to work. we'll dig deeper. Yeah. Well, we're in a world of pain with remediation across every institution in the country. Yeah, it's crazy. What if we could prevent it in the first place? Uh, and that's what the industry has to do. And that's how licensees have to remodel themselves. Otherwise, you know, uh, the, the, one of the issues with the industry, can advisors afford the cost of a licensee if the licensee has that burden and that risk unless they find a way of automating that? And they lower the cost. Totally. And I think think that's what Hub's about. We see that as the platform playing a role with additional tools to change that value chain. So advice is enabled. Licensees can do their job. And advice can get on with looking after clients because the rest of it just works. So is that
0: that through a company? Now, I don't know much about it but I believe they're called Tick, T-I-Q-K. Something. Does that That's ring one of a them, bell? There, there's
1: a company out there called Tick, yeah. Yeah,
0: and they do this real-time uh, checking of statements of advice and things like that. So you're saying there's room to plug into something like a tick and then it's it's checking because...
1: There's different technologies. There's technologies to check them after the event. There's yes. technologies to help generate them. Yes. Uh, what, what we're investing in is the ability to take what we call unstructured text and pull out the recommendations yes uh so you're not just checking the soa you're actually getting out that these were the recommendations and then you can go and check them against the approved product list for the licensee or, or an advice standard so right. a slightly different approach but they're all coming at from the same direction let's use technology to improve compliance and improve certainty better consumer outcomes uh, less hassles for advisors and let's get on with business. So it's almost
0: like there's a compliance officer sort of watching over your shoulder and checking as it's going rather than at the end.
1: A- absolutely. Why, why shouldn't we be doing that if we can do it?
0: Yeah, no, 100%. I think that that would solve huge amounts of problems. If if you think about, um, I know a lot of really successful advisors that have chosen this year to not take on any on like new ongoing clients. So it's all been transactional. And the reason for that is it's the compliance burden is so high and and the clarity is so uh, currently in low um, that it's almost too much of a risk to to and but that's not everyone. I'll say like I know other True. advisors that are absolutely killing it. So um, I think anything compliant that, advisors too correct. <laughs> you would hope so. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think anything that can assist in compliance is hugely valuable. So basically. What I'm what I'm taking from this conversation is the worlds are all connecting, they're all coming together. It's going to be easier and more compliant. That's essentially how you see the life of the of the
1: financial planner in a couple of years from now. I see it as more efficient and you yeah. can focus on your clients and yes. um you know, there is a compliance burden. We all want to do the right thing by our clients and it's complex. We, we live in a complex world. This is not simple. Yes. You're talking about multiple investments, different changes of, uh, you know, life events, risk profiles, know your client, all those sorts of things. Yes. And every time you breathe or somebody else takes a misstep, the regulations gets changed and we all have to pay the price for somebody else's misstep. Yeah. Um, and, and it's all well-intended. But it's becoming very complex. Well, let's solve that with technology. We've solved many other things as a human race with technology. It's time. And that's where we need to go. That's that's um, that's really
0: smart. Um, so uh, putting my advisor hat on for a minute. Um, so we were, so my office, we, we were Hill Ross and we were aligned with AP, and And so we were mostly using uh, North at yep. the time. Um, for me, I wasn't emotionally... Um, engaged with it, it was just because of the pricing, it was just the best thing to use for the clients at the time. But if you go beyond that sort of aligned world into the independent, which is huge, right, and growing, actually, on that, do you think the trend for independence will continue to grow? Or do you think that, for example... Is it going to do a a,
1: a one eighty and start heading in the other direction? Do you have a view either way on that? Oh wow, that's a really interesting question. I think it's going to keep growing at the moment. You've got you've got some movement where people who've gone and got their own license, so independent versus self license. Hmm. Some self licensed firms are going. This doesn't make sense. I'm going to go back and join an independent group. So so that's an interesting uh, phenomenon because you know cost of being self licensed, the size of your practice. Do you have the right skills? Uh, so we're seeing that shifting all the time. Look, uh, 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 in the UK, it has turned around. Yeah, uh, and But is it is it a different sort of non-independence? Yeah, you totally. Know, uh, can, can you have ownership of advice businesses but not be vertically integrated in the sense that we think about in terms of your influence and the outcomes or you're trying to cross-subsidise advice with product? I think it's possible with the best advice and the best product to actually get cost synergies uh, and deliver outcomes to clients Uh, whilst you're still delivering the best product as long as long as you're not actually you know selling subpar because you're subsidizing i think you might see that occur in the future but i think it's a few years away yeah it needs to be reimagined yeah Uh, and some of the issues we've talked about today need to be solved in terms of the cost of licensing the cost of compliance yes because if those costs are too high then of course you're going to want a product margin to support delivering that to an advisor of course or advisor can't afford to pay the license fees if we solve that I think it's uh, you know it's quite possible there'll be a business model where advisors are working hand in glove with product manufacturers. Will they be seen to be independent? That's an interesting word. Mm. Uh, will it be conflicted, or will there be choice? I think you'll see a, a, a reimagining of that where there is true choice and good client outcomes, although there might be an ownership structure. But I think you'll still see a thriving independent market as well.
0: Yeah, definitely. I. I- I fully agree to all that because if there is a reversal at any stage, it is going to take a time. It's like the Titanic, right? It's moving in one direction pretty fast. It's going to take a while to slow down before it can change kilter at any, at any point in time. Um, but there is the concept of the UK model, which you, you mentioned. Is there going to be a similarity? Will we see the birth of agents again? Do do they just turn around and say, actually for 10% of the cost and hassle, they're walking into the Ford dealership. They get they get the Ford product. Do,
1: do we carve out a whole thing? Life insurance agents and multi-agents and general agents. No, anyway, that was pre-AFSR. Yes. But, but um, look, there's a question about will the industry polarize? Will you see salaried agent-type yeah. advisors – where if you go to that shop, you know you're going to get the house product. Yes, uh, you might see that, but the product better stand the test of time. And, it, and if if the industry and the regulators are going to actually, uh, I suppose, qualitatively evaluate those products, yes, that might happen. You might see a polarization. Yes, uh, but but I still think you can see conglomerates of businesses where advice isn't isn't influenced by product. Hub 24 owns a small licensee called Paradigm. We've not once interfered with their APL or what they sell or sellers the wrong word what they advise on, the products available for clients. It's entirely up to the advisors to choose those those, uh, platforms and we don't influence that. Uh, And I sometimes cutely say it's a case of where vertical integration or ownership isn't vertical integration. Um, You know, uh, and and so I think there are models that will emerge like that. Um, If I think to the... uh, uh, what I was going to say before,
0: but also the conversation we just had, which was you got um, huge IOOF now. And I guess it's going to be a case of they're going to maybe, and, and, and I'm sort of just interpreting what I'm looking at in the market, but it, but let's say five, 10 years down the line, we do see these agents again. And let's say the argument for it is wow, you know, we're the biggest, everything. So we've got the cheapest, right, imaginable. And so that then becomes the argument. We exist because we're we're the most cost effective, right? How else would you possibly gauge what is valuable in a technology, say a platform, for example, if, if it's not just cost, what else would, let's say you're an advisor, you're still sticking to the independent, you're not going down that route. You know, what is it? What else do I want in the
1: technology? hey look let's talk about any appliance or any motor car and and, you know everything's different and price and value are all related uh you can buy a commodity vehicle that gets you from a to b and you might not like it it may be be a pain in the neck it doesn't give you efficiency it might be reliable or or you can go for the the upmarket one look i think if you're looking for a platform you need to understand what they actually can provide to your clients And i think the industry hasn't been good at this yeah look Commoditized platforms, So you know, you could argue that platforms have been commoditizing, but not all platforms are equal, not all managed accounts are equal. And some of the discussion we had earlier about tax benefits and managed accounts, there's real value in that for a consumer. If you're just looking at price and not recognizing that you can actually create alpha or better returns with the platform, we've shifted the, the role. The role used to be just packaged together assets. Mm. Now we actually contribute to the value of those assets through tax and, and managed accounts, that can make a real difference. So you really have to think about what can the platform deliver? And we haven't done a good job as an industry at articulating that. We've recently come out with a white paper by Milliman to help us do that because I think the dialogue has to change. The market's been talking about, oh, a managed account makes me more efficient. I don't have to deliver as many SOAs. I can rebalance quickly. Well, we certainly found out during COVID that that was really critical. Mm. If you had a managed account, you could rebalance really quickly. Well, I mean, and absolutely, you could. And then it's back to business. I mean, yeah. many advisors are back to business because they've had managed accounts. But that's almost the start of what a managed account do. If you can actually see that it adds value to your client, does that value offset your advice fees? So does that offset the platform fee? So therefore, looking at the charge of a platform or a cost without considering what it can save the client or how it can add value is not looking at the whole picture. And I think best interest duty means we have to look at that. What are the client's objectives? What are their needs? What are they trying to achieve? Uh, what what uh, opportunities can we offer them? Uh, and the features and benefits of the platform go hand in hand with the cost. And I think that's really important. Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater and, mm. and, and pick the cheapest option. It's like picking the cheapest car or buying a three-wheeled car it's not going to get you where you want to get to. We really have to think about the longer term for the client. And sometimes the sticker shock in terms of price, people go, I just want to, it's easier for me to talk to the client about this cheaper product. Well, is that really meeting the client's objective? I'm not suggesting that's what happens, but let's look at the full picture here. It's not just about price. It's about value, functionality and benefits, which can really make a difference to the client's investment horizon. Um, On COVID, what trends did you see come out of COVID? Oh, absolutely. Well, straight away, we saw uh, early March. So we were all thinking, in New South Wales and and Australia, we're thinking about it late February. We weren't sure. We had all those market jumps around the end of February, early March. Straight away, we saw uh, less activity, Um, in In late March, April, we saw less activity of new business coming onto the platform. Yeah, of course. Because advisors were doing what advisors should do. We were looking after our clients. So advisors stopped to think about their clients. We saw a whole lot of rebalancing by investment managers and portfolio managers and a whole lot of rebalancing by advisors in fact the the trading volumes on our platform were up to 10 times normal volumes jesus in March. so a whole lot of rebalancing yeah it wouldn't have been possible without a managed account solution Yeah. in fact you would you would have had to you know submit individual switches for <coughs> individual clients oh, look, it would at have been A, being absolutely yeah. yeah and by the time you did all your clients the market might have moved again so Massive rebalancing to the time of tenfold every day during March. Yes. Uh, Flight to defensive assets, flight to cash. Uh, And since then, since around about, um, you know, April was soft in terms of new business, but it picked up again in May. So we had a really strong quarter. So I think... In this particular event, advisors and customers adjusted far quicker than they did during the GFC or during 9-11. That's so awesome. We've been here before. Yeah, that's so awesome to hear. Our our clients know that it's the long term and they understand these disruptions can happen. So as an industry, we recovered really quickly. Awesome. Got back to business. Flows picked up in May and they've been great ever since. So the advisors we talk to are, as you said, some of them are killing it. Yeah. Picking up new business. Um, But we seem to be back to normal. So... That flight to defensive assets occurred. Now, cash balances are lowering as people either dollar cost average or get back into the market. You know, it could turn again. We could have volatility. We've got the American election. We've got a whole lot of stuff. But, you know, there was a reaction. But then we got back to normal. And I think that's a credit to all of us as an industry. We've matured and we're much better at dealing with these events. That's a, such a
0: good news story to end with. Mate, thank you so much for coming on. I, I do really appreciate. Um, if anyone wants to find out more, it's obviously hub24.com.au. Um, sure. Yeah, mate. Uh, and you're on LinkedIn. Like I said, anyone's free. Just go check out his uh, the backlog of experience. Uh, see if the neon light selling's there. will. Uh... Good on you, Clay. Thanks for chatting. <laughs> Cheers, Cheers, mate. Cheers. Bye. Bye.